in India, where I'm from, uh, you know, you have EST, Eastern Standard Time, um, Mountain Time. In India, we have IST, uh, which is which is supposed to be Indian Standard Time, but we call Indian Stretchable Time. <laughs> so if you say 1 o'clock, this could be 2 o'clock. So we always say it's around 1 o'clock. But since I'm here on this, this side of the land, uh, on ET, we'll start now. So my name is Raja. I'm a psychiatrist. I work in a, a small mission hospital up in the Himalayas. Um, we are going to talk about uh, like what kind of work that is happening there and how that is affecting uh, the, the issue of mental health. Uh, I, I also uh, got my training in Westminster uh, Theological Seminary here and um, studied counseling. And um, I didn't know that I had to study Hebrew and Greek. Uh, when I went, they didn't tell me. Uh, I was trying to quit, but uh, they persevered me through MDiv. Uh, so back in India, that has been a very helpful thing, uh, working with the local churches. So that's that's one thing. And the second thing, what we are going to do today is uh, I'm going to tell you guys a lot of stories. I'm a storyteller. Uh, when I was growing up, thank you. Uh, I talked a lot, as you can see. I'm, I'm getting uh, there. Uh, my mom was really worried how I'm going to make money. And when I became a psychiatrist and she knew, that's the way I'm going to make money uh, talking. Um, so, But today I'm going to tell you guys a lot of stories, which those stories are going to capture the, the topic of this talk, uh, that is uh, mental health in the non-Western world. Uh, but, but it's a kind of a mental health, you know, when we are talking mental health, we are also, I'm going to touch a little bit on what we are seeing here in the U.S. Um, so... You know, we are going to talk about a lot of stories. I'm going to take you all to a kind of a different context to imagine what is mental health uh, in a different context and how those kind of uh, practices can be brought here in the U.S. Uh, uh, or if you feel like God is calling you to work in such a setup uh, in, uh, in India, uh, please contact me after the talk. I would like to talk to you guys more about that. Um, and then we are going to talk about uh, something called mental health gap. Uh, if you if you are familiar with that word, uh, it is a gap between the the providers, number of providers that are available, and uh, the people who are in need. Uh, so we are going to talk about that. Overall, I want you guys to have one word ringing in your mind as you listen. Um, it's called rethink mental health. Okay, we are going to come to that. Why it is important? I did a Google search a few days ago. Um, so when I type mental health. This all the pictures came. Um, I was looking for a little bit more robust picture of, uh, let's say, someone sitting there and five, ten people are sitting together and talking. I was looking for some pictures where people would drink coffee together in a coffee shop. You know, when we talk about mental health, this is this is kind of narrowed down to, uh, in a general view, it narrowed down to your mind or your brain. But I want you guys to rethink mental health today. That's one of my goals. So... Um, we are going to place the mental health into this, this four, five categories. Uh, one is the context, and second, the need, and third, I already told you guys what the gap is, and, and what is the calling, and what is that mental health to do with Christianity, mental health to do with the psychiatry, mental health to do with the uh, building of kingdom of God. Okay. So when we talk about non-Western uh, world, uh, Often when I ask people about India, you know, some of this 
things come to their mind. Have you guys watched Life of Pi movie? Anyone? It's a really good one. And uh, yeah, <laughs> the tiger on the boat, man. And uh, then uh, you all know Taj Mahal um, when it comes to India. What else? Uh, what else come to your mind when you when you hear the word India? Oh, sorry, one second. Yeah. <laughs> Curry? Yeah. The Jungle Book? Yeah. Mowgli? Yeah. Man, yeah. Sacred Cows. Sacred Cows. Okay, I won't, I won't touch the topic today. <laughs> like Dr. Jeff was telling steak yesterday, I was just thinking about that. <laughs> okay, uh, what else come to your mind when you, when you think about India? Cricket, yeah, you are getting there, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Traffic, yes, wow. My mother-in-law came to, she's from Florida. First time she got out of uh, U.S., came to India to visit us. And uh, she thought cars like in, uh, you know, Harry Potter movie, they shrink and expand. And uh, because uh, she was, we were driving her uh, to get to her uh, uh, hospital, and there's two big truck pulled in on the side, honking. They, they communicate through honking, if you have been to India. Honking is the way we talk when we drive. Yeah. What else come to your mind when you think about? Beautiful saris and salwars. Oh, yes. Beautiful saris and salwars. Very pretty women with blonde, beautiful hair. Yes, yes. Wow. So that's, you know, it could be the holy festival, the colors that we throw and dance, or it could be... Someone said traffic, that's kind of the traffic that you navigate, um, and um, or it could be Slumdog Millionaire, the movie, um, let's say again, Dave Patel, wonderful actor, or it could be the real slums of uh, Mumbai, where you see a woman walking, um, and or it could be sitting and drinking a chai in a glass and talking stories under the tree where buffaloes walk through. Caring. So I want you guys to think of uh, when we talk about non-Western context, we are we are we are we are putting all these things together. Okay? Imagine I'm throwing a lot of puzzle pieces, uh, puzzle pieces in front of you. We are going to put together all those puzzle pieces. So that's the one context of uh, India, and we are going to place that context of uh, that with uh, with this with the Christianity there. Uh, you know, our Christianity is a 2,000-year-old Christianity of Saint Thomas coming to um, coming to India, but but what what this is uh, to do with uh, mental health, um, because I want you guys to look at this picture, we have 1.3 billion population, uh, by 2030 our goal is to, uh, uh, you know, supersede China on population, we are really making babies, and uh, <laughs> so I have, I have four, and uh, so uh, that's a study show. So we are going to be, we are, we are a growing population. And uh, our, uh, our below 17 population in India is equal to the total number of U.S. population. But our land is four times smaller than the U.S. So you can, you can imagine it's very crowded and uh, with cows walking um, in the street. Uh, so you can see those 1.3 billion people where they're all distributed, Okay. But where are the where are the Christians? Where are the believers? What they are doing? And you see, the 80% of the Indian Christians, of the 3% of the Indian Christians, they live in the south. And you have only 5% uh, in the whole North India. Uh, there is a particular state here. It has 200 million population. Okay, uh, so you are you are seeing like a 5% of the 3 to 4% Christians there. 
again, I want you guys to keep all those things in the back of the, your mind. Slumdog millionaire, chai, cows walking, slums, and uh, the spirituality uh, where what Christianity is there. Okay, and and then we are seeing on the other side. Uh, we are talking about mental health. This is what we are seeing as a pre-COVID statistics uh, in the non-Western world. Uh, so we have one in five Indians in need of counseling, and um, uh, 30% uh, with COVID impact. You know, this morning we are hearing the impact of COVID on mental health. Uh, we are right now in the U.S. We are looking at 30% increase in suicide uh, in this coming year, 45% um, uh, increase in anxiety and depression in the coming year because of the COVID impact. Uh, that is much more uh, uh, big issue in, in the non-Western countries because of the context number three. So I have given you context one of the general overlay of what India looks like, context two of what is where the Christians, what is what is the religiosity, spirituality aspect of it, context three. So this is where we are talking. Uh, that's a slide when we are still making 1.2 million. Okay, <laughs> now we have crossed 1.3. Um, so we have 3,500 to 4,000 psychiatrists for the whole country. That means we are looking at uh, one psychiatrist for 300,000 population. Um, WHO has come up with a number called 0.3 psychiatrist per 100,000 population. So I thought I'll make it one full psychiatrist, so one for 300,000. <laughs> and 500 of, the, uh, of this 3,500, they live in Mumbai the city of Mumbai, where the Slumdog Millionaire movie was made. So you can imagine what is going on in the rural area when it comes to mental health. So that's context number three. Okay, We have, we have a huge need, but you have less providers um, in, in India. Context number four, we talk about something called uh, pathway of care. I'm going to talk loud. Pathway of care is... You imagine a patient in his village, you know, drinking chai, and he has, suppose, let's say he has a depression. And our hospital here, he has to come to see me. In the state where I live, we have 12 million population. We have five psychiatrists for the whole state, and four of them, they live in the city, the main, the state capital. So there is no one in the, in the villages. So for this man to come here, there are many barriers. That's context number four we are going to talk. One of the barriers is stigma. So it's called, you know, if you're in medicine, it's called a pathway of care, how a person start uh, from his village and um, uh, go to the treatment place and then come back. And there are many other barriers are there, uh, stigma, discrimination, poverty, unemployment, uh, false belief. Um, so that's the context that I went to work as a young psychiatrist in 2009. Um, all this, you know, it's, it's, it's in front of me as mountains, uh, what we are going to do. So we thought, okay, we'll start a small psychiatric clinic in a general hospital as an inclusive uh, program. So that's our first psychiatric hospital in one of the uh, mission hospitals uh, in the northeast part of India. You know Michigan? So this is Michigan. You just turn it down. That's India. <laughs> it's quite easy. So that's Delhi. And you have your Bangladesh here, Nepal, Bhutan, Pakistan, Afghanistan. So this is northeastern part of India. So that's where the, this clinic is situated. So we started that, uh, uh, the, uh, initially I was the, it's a hospital based. Okay, so I want you guys to think, uh, this is, this is what we started in 
in providing psychiatric care is it's a hospital based care you know we all very familiar we go to a uh, you call the doctor's office you uh, you know or your primary gives you a referral you go to go and see the psychiatrist and he prescribes you medication or you go and see a psychologist for counseling and come back home go for follow up so that's a hospital based care okay and we have as i was telling this context we we have very minimal resources but we need to provide maximum reach to help people so we started using pictures to teach people what is mental health so it will be a picture of a man with a sad face and uh, then we would ask people what what you are going through in this picture people would point out i'm i'm sad or i'm i'm feeling uh, body pain again we are talking western context where uh, we have depression and anxiety would come itself as um, uh, feelings and emotions uh, symptoms but where in the non western context we have a lot of uh, somatization that is a body pain so in india when i hear in the clinic or in the general clinic when someone says i have body pain or i have a gas another way to they say is i have gas in my hand i have a gas in my head um i have a nice story if i have a time i'll tell you guys later about the gas in the head and um so uh, that's the way they they present again there is a difference between symptom presentation there so we have the minimal resources and maximum reach we had to do okay here is a story number 1 how we that small dot called a hospital based care started expanding itself so i met uh, mr Bud, uh, mr kamrul in in the clinic in that small psychiatric clinic that's uh, that's uh, kamrul and i was treating him for severe depression he was on antidepressants and one day he opened up and he said my brother is going through um, some kind of a severe illness and he talks to himself and uh, he runs around and he throws uh, throws stones at people and he's violent and we took him to the faith healer again the barrier number 1 people would usually go in the non western context to a faith healer it will be hindu priest or a imam or uh, or a christian pastor a uh, lot of the studies shows in the pakistan uh, bangladesh and in india the south asian context uh, uh, people usually go to the faith healer so they took him to the faith healer the faith healer said uh, he has some demon possession inside so he has to they had to pay money to the imam to drive out the demons nothing worked so finally uh, they couldn't do anything so they put uh, badrul his brother uh, you know who's uh, going through schizophrenia put him in four iron chains and tied him to the pole here uh, i'm talking 2009 stories okay um, pole here for 6 months so they would throw food he would eat and he would sleep that's his that's his world because they didn't know what his mental health is or there is a lot of false belief so you see the dot one badrul is stuck up in that small dot in the pathway of care so now this nurse little nurse who worked in our hospital and she used to hear when i when i talk to the patient when talk about antipsychotic medications she said doctor if you give me injections i will go and give injections to uh, badrul and uh, i'll go to his home and at that point no one wants to go near badrul because badrul is violent even with iron chains he's 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 not in his own mind but uh, uh, nemboy the nurse took the injection you can see now the hospital based care is now expanded to the brother the village leader the driver the neighbors they all got and uh, helped and started giving injections to badrul for 3 days and badrul kind of slowed down and then badrul was brought to the hospital you can still see 
the iron chain because uh, the brother requested us to uh, just at least keep one chain because uh, he was in risk of escaping from the hospital. And then on day 25, Badrul, no iron chains, and he's still in his old clothes. And brother, we all sat together and started talking about um, his story, his life, uh, what is mental health issues, what is schizophrenia. We started explaining to his uh, relative. And that Badrul started drawing and um, slowly. So we told Badrul, you are uh, at on day 120, Badrul got back to his own mind. You know, he's back to his humanity from his uh, elder brother's description. The man is back. Um, and uh, so we told Badrul, you have to wear pant and shirt before if you want to get discharged from the hospital. So that's Badrul left the hospital like this. So I want you guys to imagine this happened because all these amazing nurses started expanding what's a hospital-based psychiatric care to uh, nurses going to the community and giving care. And these nurses are not psychiatric nurses. They are uh, they are like a three years training program, but just a very simple basic training. Uh, they are able to give complex treatment in a simplified way. Okay, so the complex things in a context like uh, where you have stigma, discrimination, you have barriers of pathway of care, but with the simple training, uh, the nurses started doing this things multiple times to multiple patients. So we started moving into community. So we added the nursing care and we started training the nurses. And then we went to the community. You can see, uh, you know, uh, this is all usually happens where you go to a faith healer. This is a drama in the community to educate uh, the community on mental health issues. But then during that time, I was reading a story from scripture, um, you know, the story of Good Samaritan. It really, uh, uh, the picture of Good Samaritan, the picture of Badrul tied up with iron chains to a pole in the back of his home came to my mind. This is a story of many of the people who are going through mental health issues in the non-Western world. Of course, we see some of those stories here in U.S. also. Um, so I picked up some of the verbs from there, thanks to Greek and Hebrew, and um, it helps a little bit. And uh, so Samaritan, you know, he came, he saw, he felt going over. There's different things that he did. So I just picked all those things and put it. So this is what we decided, okay, this is the training that we will do uh, with, with our churches, with our community on different things that people can do. One is you move towards Badrul rather than moving away from Badrul. You know, just uh, what the nurse did is what the Good Samaritan uh, did on the on the um, on the story. So during that time, uh, we moved from uh, northeastern part of India to uh, northwest, uh, which is close to the Himalayan uh, mountain ranges. So we got together very few. Uh, you know, I was telling you, 3,500 psychiatrists, 500 of them they live in the city of Mumbai, and we have you can count the number of Christian mental health professionals in 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 India. Just, you know, uh, like uh, maybe 20 of them total. Um, so we got together all the available people and we started drawing timelines on what we can do in five years on developing a Christ-centered mental health services. So again, now at this point, we expanded our circle. I'm, I'm still, there is only one psychiatrist working for the 20 hospitals. And now you have many nurses doing the care. You know, I'm decentralizing the care, simplifying the message. 
and then we started doing local counselors training. Uh, that is what you see here in the picture. Um, Mina came as a patient to the hospital and she learned how to talk to uh, people. She herself attempted suicide and she's very, very passionate about helping people uh, who have suicidal ideation. So she learned few skills. She's actually, when she came to the hospital, she was illiterate and she learned uh, how to write by, you know, seeing the letters just she would draw. And that's her training. You can imagine and uh, and then slowly from there, she picked up few skills on talking to people, active listening, reading scripture with them and praying for them. And uh, then Babita is one of her pharmacist wife and uh, she learned few uh, counseling skills and she started uh, counseling people. So in the hospital where I worked, actually Je Jeff is here, he all worked in the same hospital. Um, uh, we started the first uh, psychiatry services, uh, which focused on those three components of hospital-based care, and then you have uh, the nurses, nursing-based care, and then the local counselors. And uh, we used to tell patients, you pay one dollar to see any specialist, uh, so that's all cost to see me there. Um, it's much cheaper in India, <laughs> and uh, you don't no insurance, and uh, so. Uh, for that one dollar, five things are included. One is uh, to see the doctor, you take the card, and uh, you, you get prayer, 15 minutes of counseling, sometimes medication, and the free blue book Gideon's Bible. So we Indians, we are, we want our money worth. So there are days when I don't, uh, when I didn't have time to pray, uh, one of our patients actually went to complain to our manager, uh, like uh, we call in Hindi dua, like uh, today the doctor didn't pray. I want some money back. And uh, so we tell them this is not something apart from your care. This is part of your care. Prayer, counseling, and uh, reading scripture, all those things are part of your care. So we started going into uh, training everyone. So here you see this is all our hospital uh, support staff, the sweepers, cleaners of the hospital. They are getting training just using simple pictures. And this is the community, uh, the what we call primary health centers in the rural areas, training them. And this is in 2013, we started uh, training uh, another component called community mental health volunteers. So what we did was, there is a base hospital, you have nurses, you have local counselors. So we started finding a lot of the people with severe mental health issues and uh, still uh, tied up or they, they're not getting treatment in the villages. Um, and so we, we, we uh, recruited 10th grade, 12th grade pass boys and girls, and that's what you see in the picture there, who are interested in providing care, and each village will have one or two people. We call them community mental health volunteers, CMHV. So they... All they get is like a three hours of training, one on basic mental health, second on what are the diagnosis. They know three words, uh, depression, psychosis, anxiety. Um, and then we give them a training on uh, how to counsel people, how to listen. Okay, so again, message is uh, simplified, decentralized care. Uh, at one point in, I think, 20, I think 2010 or something, WHO said, uh, the mental, uh, World Health Organization said um, mental health for all by involving all. I took that really seriously because country like uh, in India, the non-Western context where you don't have many specialists, you need to involve every everyone, anyone who is interested in that. So that's what we did. 
I would, if someone, some school invite me to talk, I would go and talk about mental health. If some church would invite me to talk on like a preaching, I would just go and preach about um, what psalms and depression, uh, things like that. So now, and during that time, you know, we are talking, the whole talk is about closing the gap. There is a big need on mental health, very less providers. What do we do to close the gap? During one of this uh, meeting, that's uh, one of our, uh, you know, village mental health volunteers, they would bring patients and we would see them uh, in a kind of a under the tree there. Um, and um, so we would prescribe medications and uh, counseling happens nearby. Um, but in one of that meeting, I found that there is a pastor, uh, an evangelist uh, sitting there nearby and uh, he couldn't he couldn't do anything with this except they would just say hi and uh, they would leave. Um, so I, I was, I kind of got this idea. If this guy is here in this village, he wants to preach gospel. He wants to reach broken people with uh, the word of God and, uh, where there's a lot of persecution happening where he cannot go and preach gospel. And I'm here. I have full access to this village because of the healthcare and the mental health care services that we are providing. And how about if we train them? Uh, the pastors, the evangelists in the villages, they will be our effective healthcare volunteers. Means we have added a component uh, component here. Um, so the circle expanded by this time in 2013. So we started training uh, pastors, evangelists in the villages, and uh, they would bring patients to the hospital. This is one of the crowded bus where you can see if you don't have seat inside, you can also go and sit on the top. And um, no seat belt required. Uh, my kids are always happy when they go back to India. It just there is no seat belt. <laughs> so, so this is this is what WHO call this as a mental health uh, gap or a MH gap. I call this as a gospel gap, dear friends. Uh, we, what we are looking at is we are looking at group of you know people who are experiencing brokenness because of stigma, discrimination, mental health issues. And uh, how do we close the gap by, you know, imagine the Good Samaritan, what he has done. So what we have done is we started training the local pastors. That's all our local pastors from Herbertpur, uh, a hospital that where we work, and uh, brought them all together. We started talking about mental health issues. Initially, there was a lot of resistance, but they all learned over the time the three important words, depression, anxiety, psychosis, and they know what to do with them. For example, we use Psalm 139 uh, to teach our uh, pastors. Uh, you know, they, they all know really scripture really well, but they are unable to connect the scripture to the problem of human experience, um, the brokenness. So Psalm 139 says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Search me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any offensive way in me and lead me to the everlasting way. I call this as a spiritual scripture CBT. If you know, CBT is a cognitive behavior therapy. Uh, I used to, when we are in a um, uh, psych residency program, we have to study CBT. CBT has four steps. Search your automatic thoughts. Validate your automatic thoughts. Analyze your automatic thoughts. Validate your automatic thoughts. Introduce a new thought and introduce a new behavior. And I thought, oh, scripture talks about the same thing in a little robust way here. I don't need to search my own thought because I'm going through a tough time. I can invite God to search my thoughts. So we started teaching um, all those important, uh, you know, uh, matters from scripture to the pastors and the churches, and they took it really well. 
and uh, because it didn't feel that I'm I'm giving some diagnosis and labels, the human experience is much more normalized in the in the church context. Again, if you see in the pathway of care, you know I told uh, the pa- uh, people with mental health needs usually they go to the pastors and the faith healers. Okay, um, so now the pastors are all well equipped. This uh, by 2014. So here is a story number two. How um, what is the connection between mental health and the kingdom of God? So we have a group of uh, snake charmers nearby the hospital. Uh, one day, the daughter of the snake charmers uh, family, she delivered a baby boy, and she developed postpartum psychosis. Okay, you and me, we know what postpartum psychosis is, um, but the snake charmer family didn't know. And so they took her to a local priest, and the local priest told her uh, them, you need to pay me 5,000 rupees because there is a demon inside. I need to cast the demon out. And so they sold few of the household articles and got the 5,000 rupees, and uh, which is like uh, less than $100. And um, so they took it to the priest. The priest performed ritual whole night around the fire. And uh, at one point, he got really frustrated because the lady is now screaming. She already didn't sleep for four or five days. Now she's screaming, she's yelling because of the postpartum psychosis. So they started uh, beating her uh, because uh, then he said to the parents, uh, your daughter has a demon inside and the demon is screaming. So it's, it's like, uh, they thought, oh, it's a part of the treatment. She's going to get better. Early morning came, 4 o'clock, the priest is tired, she's tired. And he threw the ritual fire over her and telling she has a bigger demon inside. And um, you need to take her to another place called Chakrata nearby a mountain. You have to meet a priest there. So, lost everything. Not only she went with postpartum psychosis, but she came, you know, with postpartum psychosis with the burn uh, all over her face and body. And she went to a local uh, pastor. And here is where the pastor has attended the training program. He knew postpartum psychosis. He knew depression. He knew anxiety. We also tell the pastors, please pray with them, uh, pray for them for some time. Um, if, if, they, if they're not getting better, please give us a call. We'll sort this out together. So the pastor prayed uh, for the postpartum uh, psychosis affected women and uh, nothing got better. She was screaming, she was yelling, she didn't sleep. So he called me and said, Dr. Raja, I have a patient, uh, I have a woman here, I think she is having ischironoprenia. I'm like, what? She has ischironophrenia. You said uh, one illness where they hear voices. Oh, schizophrenia. Okay. So I'm, I was so amazed because if he can able to just get to the point of schizophrenia in his diagnosis, which I did after three years of training, and uh, that's really a good news. So he, he brought, uh, we, they brought, the, brought her to the hospital, and uh, we gave her antipsychotic uh, medication for three days, and she started getting better. And I didn't tell the church to take care of those 15 members snake charmer family, okay? But the church, which is a very poor, small church, fed all the 15 members, looked after the children, and this whole time they were in the hospital. And uh, at one day, uh, what we call like a ward rounds, where it's still a, you know, what we did in India called the inclusive treatment. That is, I don't seclude my psychiatry patients to a separate ward. They will be in the general, with the general patients, because that's, if your hand is, can be broken, your mind is also, you know, can be broken. So you, you be in the same ward. Unless they are violent, we keep them for some time uh, in a separate place. So she was there, and uh, I was doing my ward rounds, and I saw a beautiful picture of an, another woman sitting next to 
the snake charmer's daughter and feeding her baby because at this point this woman couldn't take care of her baby you know postpartum psychosis they 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 really struggle to take care of the babies and uh, so at this point dear friends all the pathway of care all the barriers fell off here is a higher caste woman from the church feeding the lower caste snake charmer's family's daughter's child uh, breastfeeding and when i saw that i was like this is what the church can do when it comes to mental health issues we can break barriers we can break stigma and church can be a healing community so i was talking with the pastor and he said raja you are thinking mental health as an end itself but what what we are seeing is kingdom of god is growing the story is all the snake charmer family they started going to his church because they felt really loved by them and they could talk about hey my daughter is not sleeping well so then the pastor would bring her to the hospital then we would add little extra medication for her to sleep my daughter is not taking bath so we will they will help with that uh, you know caring for her so it's not just praying it's not about casting out demons anymore it's about the holistic care so the pastor said uh, it's not about mental health it's about kingdom of god so i want you guys to look back you know we are talking about uh, less than 5% uh, christians in the northern part of india where there is a lot of persecution happening but here the church has a very easy access because they are now tangibly caring for people with the mental health needs so that's that's a connection that i made uh, when i heard from the pastor i decided okay i can do this for my whole life if mental health is the treatments are providing uh, you know the opportunities for church to tangibly care but also providing cost effective caring loving compassionate treatment i think we as a church we have better than you know let's say the rest of the crowd to offer so so that is um, that is you know i want you guys to look at the last two things here people what we are looking is meaning and relationship you know when it comes to mental health issues we are not just looking at this compartmentalized medical you know the mind only uh, what scripture says is you and me we are created in the image of god we are not the diagnosis we are a person a person as embodied soul um so this is one of the other pastor uh, his name is pastor sam thomas he lives in the city um, and he is now taking care of uh, two uh, people with the severe mental health issues one uh, has a, one has schizophrenia uh, the other woman struggles with uh, bipolar disorder he 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 says counseling it's not about it's not a counseling you know we so over the time yes there is a need for specialized counseling care but i think we over the time medicalized lot of this human experience so he says it's it's a conversational ministry and it's not a psychiatric care it's a everyday support just like what the snake charmers experience um so he told us i think we should be a healing uh, community so that thought which started with the badrul uh, getting treatment in the in the northeastern part of india to the snake charmers family going to church and the thought became a movement um i love the word movement because it's not localized in in one place we can replicate to multiple places so there is an organization in india that i work with called biblical counseling trust of india they uh, train local churches and volunteers on basic counseling and mental health issues uh, there are different modules very simplified in uh, in a local language uh, that people can learn 
um, anyone can actually take the course and, uh, you know, start providing uh, care and counsel. So in 2014, with this movement development in our mind, we brought the, the whole group of medical specialists to psychiatrists to counselors to pastors, everyone under one roof, and three days we sat together and talked about what is the Christian response to mental health that we are facing in our country. Uh, okay, So that's a conference that we did. So I want you guys to think that as a layer, when we talk about um, closing the gap, it's not just a hospital-based it's, it, there, has, there are many layers in, in mental health care. If you, if you have to decentralize and provide this care for a large amount of population, and we have, to, we have to work in these layers to cross the barriers. So that's the place where I work right now, up in the Himalayas. Um, and um, in the small mission hospital, this is story number three, um, how psychiatry and uh, spirituality, you know, uh, kind of come together in a individual stories in that place. I'm going to go back to that place. You can see here, it, it looks, it's really amazing, beautiful place, but you see different villages here. And each of those mountain tops, they have a temple. And even now, people offer sacrifice uh, for their illness. Uh, they go with the depression, anxiety, body pain. Uh, you know, um, or cancer, the common explanation is uh, you offer sacrifice. So this gentleman, he has been offering sacrifice uh, almost 15 times to his goddess uh, because the local Hindu priest told him you have to, uh, you have to offer sacrifice to, uh, for a depression and anxiety. And, uh, you know, the story is he went to his village, the priest in the village told him to offer sacrifice. Uh, when, when he came to the hospital, the chaplain, uh, have the luxury of having the chaplain there, and um, he opened Hebrews 9 and started reading to him, there is a high priest in heaven. He himself entered into the temple as a sacrifice once for all, and you don't need to offer any more sacrifice. So people in India, they are very spiritual in that, uh, in that aspect. I don't need to initiate a spiritual conversation. Unlike here, um, I worked in the U.S. for three years. Uh, but there in, US, in India, it, it flows very natural in the, in the clinical setting. They actually would ask, is my goddess angry with me? Should I have to offer sacrifice? Uh, what happened to my sins? Did I sin anything in my previous birth? Is that because of karma that I am right now suffering? So we, we, we have this unique, beautiful opportunity of connecting the questions to the scripture. So the, the guy opened... Uh, you know, scripture, Hebrews 9, and started telling him, you're talking, your village priest told you about, um, uh, you know, sacrifice, but there is a high priest, higher than your village priest. He himself is a god. Uh, uh, dear friends, he couldn't believe it. We th he thought we are cooking up a story uh, to make him feel better. You know, we psychiatrists are really good at it. Um, and uh, so he was like uh, looking, uh, he looked at me, he said like, so you are telling a god came to die for me? It's like, yeah. That's not true. And uh, so uh, at one point, he let us pray for him. Um, this is another story of an, another woman that I met in the hospital. She spent almost $2,000 uh, on she, she was all she was struggling with, uh, obsessive compulsive disorder. Uh, but uh, the local, uh, you know, she has to spend that much of money and she didn't get any treatment. So I'm going to ch touch a little bit on COVID um, and what, what we have done during COVID and the, what the layer has expanded further. Um, globally, as I was telling, we are looking at it, uh, you know, 30 to 45% increase in anxiety and depression. Um, 
and here in the US, 30% increase in suicide in the coming days. Uh, so this is a um, COVID curve. You know, we always talk about the curve coming down, going up, coming down, but that's a mental health curve. It's, it's going to go, keep going up. So you and me, we have a lot of work to do as a, as a church, as believers, as Christians. We have uh, we have a lot of work to do in this area of how to how to uh, how to provide care here in this area. As much as we are, you know, this morning we heard about COVID-19, the impact on orphans. Um, so I met a patient. Uh, you know, by this time, a lot of our pastors. I call my pastors as mental health champions uh, because they themselves they, they are now coming to treatment. One of the pastors in our locality, he comes to the hospital um, and he would tell everyone, uh, in India, what we call is a shared confidentiality. Have you guys heard the term? Mm-hmm. You know, you have HIPAA, we have shared confidentiality. Uh, that means father-in-law, mother-in-law, daughter-in-law, everyone knew, the village, what you're going through. And um, <laughs> so if you sneeze, everyone knew you sneezed this morning. So... And uh, yeah, my room is called room number 12, and it's a bad room <laughs> because uh, when people come, the gossip is like, are you going to see Raja? Like, uh, what's going on? Like, uh, so they're still learning to, you know, how to learn to be a confident. And then the charts, uh, you know, when I write notes, so the, I, I try to keep them separately and things like that. So during this time, the pastor has really become the proactive guy in telling people, and he would bring his church members to the hospital. And uh, recently, before two weeks ago, he brought his daughter uh, to, he, he just brought her here to the clinic and said, just talk to him, just tell him everything, what you're going through. Just, uh, you know, again, shared confidentiality. So this pastor, one day he brought a, a man with a severe suicidal ideation, he was perfectly doing well before COVID, and when the COVID hit, he lost uh, his job. His uh, sister lost her engagement uh, because of the financial issue, and the brother lost his job. He was a migrant worker in another place. If you guys watched news during the COVID season, um, we had like a big migrant crisis that happened in India. People walked 300, 400 miles to come back to their hometowns. So all those things put together, this man, of course, if I would have gone through that, I will feel really depressed. I don't, in a culture where it's a shame and honor culture, I would feel like I don't want to live anymore. So this man came and uh, we, the pastor was talking and uh, I was listening to him. I felt like I cannot just send him home with the prayer, blue book and counseling and medication. I, I feel like it's very inhumane if I do that. I had to do, we had to do something more in men, when we think about mental health. So, uh, we started a small shop in, um, just below the hospital. The shop was a old church. The church was closed because of COVID. And so the pastor said, do you want to take over the church? All you have to do is pay rent. So we turned that building into this building. So this is part of our mental health prevention strategy. So there are three tables, and we make uh, chicken burgers only. No, <laughs> no beef burgers. And uh, so we have uh, we have burgers. We have you know a lot of uh, local meals that we provide. So we start a small shop on the side to give uh, jobs to people. Even when we started this, the guy who did the flooring, the painting guy, they all had like you know jobs to renovate that building. And um, then we uh, appointed two of uh, the girls who lost their job during this time. That's Suman. Suman's dad lost his job. 
so they all gone back to you know uh, they work as a chef and uh, learn how to cook and things like that our pastor's wife became the manager uh, of the of the zindagi you know zindagi in hindi means life um, so we want to tell people uh, you you still have hope you still have life um, that covid cannot just take that away from you so we we will do very simple things we take the simple plastic wires send them into the mountain uh, village called utrakasi and uh, and then all these ladies uh, this is one of our manager there she uh, teaches them how to do uh, bags like this she learned it from youtube <laughs> there are some good things in youtube and um, so they sit together all this you know complex complexity of wires outside they sit together they gossip together they drink chai together they tell about their husbands what he has done and all the stories of children cows and so they share difference if imagine if all those people they don't have a job they are still isolated in their home they have no hope they will go into depression and anxiety so we started we started adding one more layer in that uh, what is zindagi means to during the time of covid so this is what comes out of uh, the shop um and you can see this beautiful smiles of in all the ladies um so i'm going to end here uh, we'll take few questions if you have time one is how do we rethink mental health um not just in the hospital community church i want to uh, I, when i think about mental health even i would talk to my hair cutter guy there about uh, mental health he would bring he knows now what is depression is um we teach very simple things helplessness hopelessness worthlessness lifelessness all those things are two weeks if you have that it could be depression five things you if you are going through for two weeks it could be depression so we simplify the message to educate uh, this involving mental health you know involving all <laughs> so we have to decentralize when we think about uh, mental health care uh, we need to use available resources think of faith communities is a huge resource that we have is an underutilized uh, sometimes it's unused uh, resource our churches could be a healing community a place where people would feel much more uh, welcoming uh, to come and talk about mental health issues um there's a big church in india i uh, there's the the elder came to me and said um, i'm going through depression i'm on medication please do not share that with my pastor or anyone uh because uh, he didn't feel comfortable uh there is a stigma and discrimination he didn't want uh this uh, this to be a kind of a stigma on him so how to break this uh, uh stigma we need to involve everyone uh, we need to think out outside of the box you know if the simple wires plastic wires could help some people uh you know prevent them from going into depression i think we need to do that so think innovatively during this time of covid post covid mid covid wherever we are and uh think innovatively as a church how we can help people from not going into mental health issues how do we connect scripture we have this huge church you know resources underutilized on the other side uh how do we connect scripture to human problem you know psalm 139 psalm 88 psalm 77 and uh, it's all talks about uh you know human experience i would tell my patients in the clinic if bible gives this much space a book called psalms to just tell what's going on you know psalms are sometimes it's very irritating because uh, he uh, david says 
God, I, where are you, O oh God? And the next sentence he would say, uh, I'm going to come to your temple and offer sacrifice. The third sentence, people are coming to me. They are going to slap me on my cheek. Where are you? So, you know what God has done? He didn't get irritated. He let this flow. But often we make this as a faith issue in the Christian community. We say, if you're going through mental health issues, maybe your faith is weak. But dear friends, uh, we have to give that space. If scripture can include that as a holy scripture of you. Uh, so I would tell patients, actually, your experience is there in the scripture. So how do we connect in a robust way uh, scripture to human suffering? So we are not you know, labeling them, but rather we are seeing them as a person, like the way scripture sees. So, uh, you know, Paul David Tripp, he said once, uh, if you live in this planet and you are a counselor, you are, we are counseling every day, we are talking to people, we are listening to people. Um, so there is a larger story of redemption, but we, uh, you know, there is, there is an ordinary stories, all those stories put together, like Badrul story, the snake charmer story, the story of man, goat sacrifice, all those stories put together, it makes a big story of what God wants to do through mental health to advance his kingdom. Okay. Um, I'm going to stop here um, so that we can talk something. <laughs> any questions that you guys have, um, any comments or anything that you would like to share from your experience? We, we use uh, 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 like a uh, Nossal Institute in Australia. They have created a curriculum called the Community Mental Health Volunteers. How do we, uh, it's, it's a free available resources. If you don't find it, you can, uh, I'll put my email there. Uh, so that's a very uh, simplified curriculum to teach community mental health volunteers. Even we take that, uh, simplify that simplified version to teach our community volunteers in the villages. So we use that, and then we use uh, CCEF, uh, Christian Counseling Education Foundation, a uh, lot of their materials, and we translate them to into Hindi. We make this as a one big module into four small modules to teach essential things to our uh, church leaders and uh, the lay people at the church. And I have some devotions here, first come, first served. Feel free to take it on the way when you go. Um, and then there are some keychains. Uh, made by part of our, you know, Zindagi project. So uh, feel free to take. Yeah. I want to thank you very much for a very interesting presentation, but and also just uh, your investment in uh, so many people's lives and, and uh, example for us. I just want to let people be aware that there have been other presentations over the years at this conference. Some of those are taped and available on the website. There's also a group uh, that you can access on the website, a special interest group on mental health issues. There may be a way of, of connecting and, and getting more information and ideas. Because this is not an area that's talked about very, very much. And uh, there are some of us that are very, very interested in this and wanting to see what the Lord, waiting on the Lord in regards to direction or uh, already involved in, in very practical ways. So thank you very, very much. Thank you. How can we help? Um, be a, be a, definitely pray and um, uh, be a mental health champion at your own church. <laughs> and uh, 
encourage people to talk about mental health maybe in your church you guys can talk about mental health just starting the topic um Oh wow. Wonderful. So, is there any way we can help with your ministry? Definitely. We 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 will talk after the presentation. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you can buy me a burger. <laughs> Just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh man. <laughs> Um, you know, we, we, I, uh, we are talking this big ocean. I'm looking for one, one, one drops to fall. Um, anyone who is, I would tell anyone who is interested in talking to people, anyone who is interested, uh, you know, willing to learn some skills, um, and uh, you're more than welcome to come as a cross-cultural worker to work in the area of mental health. Because uh, we, nationally, we have very less mental health providers, and uh, I'm looking more people who are interested first starting from there but if you have a specialized let's say you you are a psychologist you are a you know you are a psychiatric nurse or you are you have skills that you would like to offer those all the things can be added like the barriers just 3 hours presentation will do and uh, and then hands on training of course uh, even for me you know from going south to north it's a different culture i have to learn culture food language and i'm still adapting um, I actually mixed up a story with a woman. Uh, she was telling in India it's quite common to say uh, in a despair uh, uh, to say, just give me poison, I will die. You know, if you guys watched Bollywood movie, it's like a kind of, oh, yeah, I will die in like a very dramatic way. So basically what I'm telling is I'm depressed. I, I, just, I just need someone to talk. So, but the woman said the word in Hindi, it's called jahar. I never learned that word. I'm from a different culture, so I learned some Hindi words by, you know, by talking to patients. I knew she was asking something. I don't know what she is asking. I thought she is asked, she was asking for medication. So I'm writing the prescription, and I said, uh, "Dear woman, I'm writing what exactly you asked. You take it tonight. It's all will be okay." <laughs> and she thought I'm writing poison. <laughs> So she was like, no, 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 that was a joke, that uh, not serious. And <laughs> yeah, and I got another time I mixed up uh, uh, the word for urine is pishab, the word for alcohol is sharab. And I mixed up uh, pishab and sharab. I told a patient with alcohol dependent syndrome, you are getting up every morning, you are drinking pishab, you need to stop. And the wife told me, doctor, my, my husband has done many bad things. But he never drank urine. You know, I'm, a, I'm an young psychiatrist. I'm very enthusiastic about... Uh, so there is a condition in psychiatry called codependency where the spouse or the children would kind of feed into this. And I'm like, man, there is a big codependency going on here. Even the wife is denying. So I pulled out an ultrasound report, a SG, uh, like our liver function. I said, I have an ultrasound report. I have uh, your enzymes are raised. You are drinking urine every morning. Like... So it went on 10 minutes and my another consultant, he saw something going on there and he walked in, What anything that I can help with? I said, uh, uh, like I'm telling in Hindi and he was like, 
Oops. <laughs> so, speaking of cross-culture, even for me, it's a, so, uh, it's, it's a learning experience over the time. for. But anyone who is interested in this group, please come and talk to me after this. Uh, interested in coming to India, uh, willing to short-term, long-term, mid-term. We'll, we'll talk about that. Yeah. No, uh, it's uh, it's uh, still yeah. We we are we are kind of uh, Kashmir is still further north. Yeah. You mentioned medication. Is there any problem with the individual getting medication? Is it available? Yeah. So the availability, accessibility, affordability is all like kind of a big issue. Um, a lot of the primary care doctors they are very afraid of prescribing uh, the medications. Uh, on the other side, when you go to a local psychiatrist, you'll get a one full page of script. Uh, two antipsychotics we call cocktail, uh, like a two antipsychotic, two antidepressant, two mood stabilizers, two multivitamins, one sleeping medicines. A lot of them are on uh, benzodiazepine dependence. They get into, um, so uh, sometimes my work is stopping medicines rather than starting medicine. Um, so in the hospital where I work right now, we, we have, we have stocked basic antipsychotics basic antidepressants, uh, and then I'm helping my primary care doctors in their hospitals, surgeons, uh, even orthopedicians to, if you see someone's like going through severe depression, feel free to, uh, you know, uh, write a script for um, Cetraline, Zoloft for 25 milligram, 50 milligram, and then ask them to come and see me next week. So don't just send them home. Uh, if you're seeing someone with alcohol dependence, please give time in. Uh, please uh, make sure that at least you give some neurobion. There is a small tablet which has a little bit of thiamine. Please do that so they are not going into Korsakoff psychosis. So we try to kind of help the primary care uh, doctors to uh, even start prescribing the medications. Yeah. Do we have time for the gas in the head story? Okay. <laughs> so, you know, this is he still here in Northeast India. I was a young psychiatrist. I was listening to this, and I was I worked with the urologist, Dr. Nyandraj. Uh, so we were we were sitting there. This man came, somatization disorder. The diagnosis is somatization disorder. He was uh, in that part of the country that anything that you have pain, sleeplessness, everything is called gas, G-A-S. Okay, um, and so they will say, I have gas here, gas here. Uh, other word that they use is junjun, that is like a numbness or a tingling sensation. So this man came and he said, I have gas in my head. And um, so we said, uh, that's not possible. And um, so he thought we are not good doctors. We didn't study really well. So he went to a neighboring hospital. Some of the private hospitals, they milk the money. And so he's a good candidate. And so they did an MRI, uh, CT scan, MRI, blood test. He lost a lot of money. Of course, the end of that thing, and the doctor said there is no gas. And so the man went to nearby city and got more investigations done. So when he came, it was like this. He came back, and because he thought uh, a new psychiatrist have joined, and um, you know the the urologist was there, and so he came back, and he showed all the investigations, and then uh, he said. This is my MRI. We were just still getting that you know the MRI where you put it uh, against the light, and we were just seeing. And my urologist was telling Raja, I think we have to do something. Otherwise, this man is going to go, keep on losing his money to a different city, different doctors. So he made a plan. He called the nurse. And we, br we have the old blood pressure cuffs. like So we tied it around his head. 
and then it just bulged. Everybody is looking. It's something is going to happen. Then he, the urologist said, uh, like a cello means let it go. <laughs> so, like the whole, you know, the blood pressure cuff become like all the air is out. And then he said, see, I told you. <laughs> Don't practice this. It's, it, there is no randomized control tires available on this. And uh, this is very anecdotal helping someone to prevent. Uh, so the man said, oh, now the gas is, all gas is gone. So the goal at that point was to prevent him from going further into spending money. Otherwise, he will go to Mumbai and Delhi, all these big hospitals, and lose money. Yeah. <laughs> Anyone has gas? <laughs> Thank you, guys. Let me pray for you all. Father, we are so thankful for uh, this afternoon. And uh, we would like to see our church to be a healing community. And we are all part of the church. Help us, God, uh, today. Uh, that we know many people in our area, in our circle, in our community, in our families who are going through mental health issues that we will be like good Samaritans. We'll move towards them. We would ask more questions. We would listen to them. We will love them well and care for them the way that you care for people. Father, help uh, uh, open our minds that we would understand Scripture more deeply to understand, uh, connect human suffering to your, your word. And um, Father, we pray, even now here in this room, many of us are going through depression and anxiety. And help us to heal well. Help us to receive the living water from you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to take some books. Yeah.